Anna noticed a thin, scraggly man stop and stare at her. His eyes seemed focused on her chest, and she flushed. Anna had not yet reached full adulthood. Anna looked down at herself and realized he wasn't looking at her chest, but at a heart-shaped locket she wore. It had somehow slipped from under her shirt, and it now rested on her chest. She tucked it back in, then hurried away. It was the only thing she had left of her mother. Anna glanced over her shoulder, and the shaggy man followed her. What's up, everyone? Welcome to this bonus episode of The Slackerverse Tales. Each episode, we feature an original fantasy or science fiction story from The Slackerverse. I'm your host, Mark Jefferson. Today, I offer a short story that has nothing to do with Overseer. Anna, a 13-year-old orphan, only has one thing to remember her mother by. A small, heart-shaped locket. But the locket has a deadly secret. The story is named Anna's Locket and follows young Anna as she must make an impossible choice. I produced everything you hear in this podcast at the Slacker Studios. The only thing I didn't create was the music and sound effects. Special shout out to Pixabay.com and all the wonderful contributors on that site. Pixabay offers royalty-free photos, illustrations, vectors, videos, GIFs, audio, and sound effects. I use their website and think they offer an excellent product. Check them out at pixabay.com. That's P-I-X-A-B-A-Y dot com. Okay, on to the story. May I present Anna's Locket by Mark Jefferson. Clang, clang, clang. Anna felt the bed shake before she registered the headmaster's cane pounding on the metal frame. Get up. You're late for school, the young headmaster said. Most people seemed young, Anna reflected. The elderly were the first to die during the SARS-21 plague. The headmaster hobbled from the room, leaning on his cane for support. Though the headmaster never spoke of it, everyone understood it was a souvenir from the war following the plague. SARS-21 was a biological weapon that killed four billion people, and war erupted around it. Before it was over, another five billion people had died. The survivors had many war scars, both seen and unseen. Most had never received proper medical attention. Anna lifted her wrist, and the outline of a small keyboard raised like red welts on her skin. She touched the clock icon, and the keyboard welts faded. A digital clock sprang onto her retinas, showing 0700. Anna crammed her tablet display into her backpack and ran for the front door. As she approached it, it opened, recognizing the nanites in her blood. Each person had a special encoding, allowing passage only through authorized doors. The crowded sidewalk couldn't hide the evidence of war. Centralized administration had repaired many buildings, and only occasional patched potholes and bullet holes marred the otherwise pleasant street. Centralized administration still conducted repairs around the city. However, things seemed well kept in this part of town. Holographic signs decorated the street. Each sign held some state-sponsored slogan espousing the benefits of living for others, giving of yourself, and obeying the rules. Loudspeakers broadcast messages meant to inspire the citizens. Anna paid no attention. Anna noticed a thin, scraggly man stop and stare at her. His eyes seemed focused on her chest, and she flushed. Anna had not yet reached full adulthood. Anna looked down at herself and realized he wasn't looking at her chest, but at a heart-shaped locket she wore. It had somehow slipped from under her shirt, 
and it now rested on her chest. She tucked it back in, then hurried away. It was the only thing she had left of her mother. Anna glanced over her shoulder, and the shaggy man followed her. She picked up her pace, pushing through the crowd. She ducked into a passing alley and broke into a dead run. Anna looked back. Her stalker had disappeared. Anna sighed with relief, turning back around. The man stood before her. She screamed. The man grabbed her arm, reaching for the delicate gold chain around her neck. With a jerk, he pulled the chain free, glaring at her. Where did you get this? I... I didn't steal it. The man turned, pressing a hidden button on the locket, and it sprang open. He turned his furious gaze to Anna. Where did you get this? Someone blew a whistle, and the man whipped around. Anna snatched the locket and barreled towards the alley opening. The mugger glanced at her, then tore off in the opposite direction. A black-clad law enforcement agent rushed by her, following the mugger. Another LEA stopped beside her, huffing. He rested his hands on his knees. Are you okay? Anna nodded, unsure how to respond. The LEA concentrated on her. Contact me when you get to a safe area. He turned on his heel, following her attacker. Anna knew he had beamed his contact information to her, and she should have seen the information impressed on her retina, but nothing appeared, walking the last block to school. Anna hurried to the entrance and almost collided with the closed door. Confused, she tried to pull the door open, but it wouldn't budge. She raised her wrist, but the keyboard wouldn't form. Anna sensed someone shuffle behind her. How do you expect a child to do a man's job? Anna whipped around, a quick retort on her lips. A tall young man stood behind her, a quirky grin on his lips. Nathan, if I needed a man, why did they send you? She raised an eyebrow, and Nathan's grin grew into a full-fledged smile. He sidled around her, and the door slid open at his approach. Anna followed him in. Having a bad day? Nathan asked. Every day's a bad day with you, Nathan. He shrugged. Suit yourself. Nathan padded down the hallway, ignoring her. Anna hurried down several corridors, reaching her anatomy class. The door wouldn't open. Anna pulled on it, making it bang against the doorframe. M. Biles, the ancient anatomy instructor, stopped mid-sentence, then came to the door. Anna stepped back, and it opened before he reached it. He narrowed his eyes with disapproval. You are tardy, Miss Lane. Why won't the door open for you? Anna shook her head. I... I don't know. Nothing has worked for me today. Doors won't open. My keyboard won't work. Nothing. Ever since I got mugged. And Biles pursed his lips. I received notification an incident occurred outside the school. Normal behavior protocol should not allow any violence to occur. He nodded to himself. You should go to the office and lodge a complaint. He nodded again, dismissing her. Anna approached the office, fear growing with each step. She took a deep breath, stealing herself, then entered the office. A small kiosk stood on one side of the room, and a sign above it read, Please register. M. Graves will see you shortly. She crossed to the kiosk, but the screen blanked when she drew near. In a panic, she stood frozen in front of it. Anna heard racing steps pounding down the hallway. They stopped at the door, which refused to open. Someone began kicking the door, and Anna sank to her knees, covering her head and sobbing. I did nothing! I did nothing! Several more savage kicks, and the door frame broke, sending the door clattering to the ground. Two LEAs raced in, 
taking in Anna's cowering form. One LEA grabbed a stun wand from his utility belt and approached Anna. Disabling your neural inhibitors is a type 1 felony, punishable by death. She cringed, and the LEA dropped forward, cracking her across her scalp. Pain exploded in her head, but not the electric shock that should have followed. Anna panicked. She scrambled to her feet and dodged the LEA, bursting through the door. Anna charged down the hall, dodging students and passing into the commons through an open door. She bolted from the school grounds, her hand shaking, and touched her bruised face. God, I must look a mess, she thought. The sky clouded over, and Anna wandered the streets all afternoon until darkness came. It began raining. Anna turned down a side street and found a narrow alley between two buildings. The buildings did a passable job sheltering her from the rain, but water continued dripping from her soaked clothes. She shivered. Anna heard something, and she crouched down, wrapping her arms around herself. She hoped the dark alley would keep her hidden. Footsteps came closer, then stopped just out of sight. If you surrender now, I promise you will have a speedy sentencing. Anna's heart sank. The LEA stepped in front of her, but Anna scrambled up, dodging him, and sprinted into the alley. Each step, the LEA got closer, and Anna screamed. The LEA grabbed her shoulder, and she fell hard. Her breath slammed out, and she gasped. The LEA straddled her, one arm pinned by his knee. The law binds you. We will use anything you say at your sentencing. He pinned her other arm, and she bucked. Nothing would dislodge this man. The LEA's head rocked forward with a loud thunk, and his eyes rolled up. He fell on top of her, and Anna couldn't move at all. Someone lifted the LEA off her, then threw him aside. Her mugger stood over her, glaring. Do you still have it? Anna's hands grabbed for the locket. He reached down, pulling the locket from around her. He rose, heading for the end of the alley. Please don't take my mother's locket. It's all I have left of her. The man stopped, his back straight. This belonged to your mother? He turned towards her an unreadable expression flashing across his eyes. Anna nodded, not sure what to do. Was your mother Ronnie Lane? Anna nodded again. He kneeled in front of her, grabbing her arms. He stared in her face. Are you Anna? Anna, uncomfortable with the intimate gesture, tried to back away. Let me go! You're scaring me! He let her go, then sank to the ground wearing a stunned expression. You must be about 13 now. Anna nodded, not sure what to make of his sudden change of heart. Understanding and compassion crossed his face. Anna, I am your father. He stepped back, and her eyes opened wide in belief. No, you're not. The locket has a picture of me in it. He opened it, placing it in her hands, and pushed it towards her. See for yourself. Anna stared at the locket for a moment, then turned it toward the light. A young man stared out, half a smile on his face. It could have been anyone. Her mother had never shared that the picture in the locket was her father. Still, there was something about the eyes. If you're my father, then I hate you. He pulled back as if struck. You abandon us. You let mother die of the plague. I didn't abandon you. I loved you and your mother. But I had to leave. I'm a hunted man. You didn't have to abandon us. It was safer for you if I wasn't around. I saw your mother whenever I could, but it wasn't often enough. The last time I saw her, she died of the plague, and they had already placed you in state care. 
You were in a different town. I didn't even know where to look. Anna mulled over his words, not believing him. What did you do this morning? I activated your locket. It disables the nanite neural inhibitors. You aren't under state control anymore. Your mother and I designed them. How can I trust anything you say? You abandoned me to an orphanage. You can believe whatever you want to believe. I have no control over your mind. Soon, the nanites in your blood will die, and you won't even need the locket anymore. You'll be free, like me. You must decide who to trust. So, just wearing this locket caused all my troubles today? Anna's father nodded. A grin spread in across his face. Come with me. I can free you. We will live with other free people. Anna remained motionless, gazing at her father's face. Is all this true? Her father nodded again. Anna glanced several times between her father and the locket, indecisive. She looked into his eyes, then away, her expression growing icy. Anna met her father's gaze for a final time and let the locket slip from her fingers. I don't want this. Her father's eyes grew wide, then rolled into the back of his head. He stiffened, convulsing, then fell to the ground at her feet, unmoving. Anna smelled burnt skin and ozone. The L.E.A. stood over her father with a stun wand, rubbing the back of his head. Anna nodded to the L.E.A. You heard all that, right? The L.E.A. nodded, grinning. Yes, I recorded everything. You may return to your orphanage, M. Lane, and L.E.A. will debrief you in the morning. Anna nodded, feeling calmness spreading across her body, the neural inhibitors already reasserting control. If giving up her mother's locket was the price of safety, it was a price she would pay. Anna marched from the alley with her head held high, knowing in her heart she had done the right thing. All she wanted was a hot shower and a warm meal. Tomorrow would be a better day. I hope you enjoyed Anna's locket. I wrote this story as a contest entry a couple of years ago. I learned of the contest four days before it closed, so I buckled down and wrote it over two days. The top prize was $5,000. Alas, I didn't win the contest. The original story was about 4,200 words. I examined the submission guidelines one last time and realized I'd overlooked one small detail. All subscriptions had to be 2,000 words or less. In panic mode, I ruthlessly edited the story cutting whole plot lines and economizing words. A couple of test reader friends of mine helped me to shape this into a coherent story, and I submitted it on the last day. Talk about a whirlwind. The final story came in at 1,941 words. The events in this story take place at some unspecified time in the near future. I never give a date, but I envision it being 100 to 150 years from now. During the COVID lockdown, my editor, Liam Quirk, challenged me to write a story dealing with the pandemic. He was curious what I would write. I have multiple projects going on at any one time, so it took me quite a while to get around to this project. The contest seemed like a perfect time to delve into the subject. Liam helped me to write my first two books. He was a wealth of knowledge, and he taught me a lot. I will admit, there were times where I didn't like him because of his brutal honesty, but he helped form me into the writer I am today. Unlike previous stories you've heard in this podcast, this story has no magic. It's straight-up science fiction. It's my vision of a dystopian future ruled by an autocratic artificial intelligence. I describe my take on technology in general and how it impacts the citizens' lives. I also gave a more in-depth description of those who chose to rebel against the establishment. Unfortunately, 
I had to remove most of these subplots to make the story fit the contest guidelines. My archived copy of the story's first draft got lost. So all I have is the version of the tale that you're hearing now. I back up my completed stories on my local server in Dropbox. I never got around to creating a local backup of the rough draft. After all, what could go wrong? Lucky for me, I didn't lose anything critical, just backups of backups. And a few rough drafts I'd written as works in progress. Live and learn, I guess. I now have two local backup methods and two online backup services. Long story short, don't be me. Make backups of your backups. For those that aren't aware, I do IT as a living. I manage many computer systems and feel I have a good idea of technological trends. I extrapolated my ideas into this story. I also asked the question, what would you choose if you had to choose between family and safety? How does a young person decide what's important? Most people don't see the end coming. My daughter is one of my test readers, and her comment was, What the f***, Dad? Another test reader told me it gave him chills. These comments made me smile. Mission accomplished. My daughter, in particular, wanted me to expand this story into a book. We'll see what the future holds. I can't speak for other writers, but my problem is not coming up with ideas. It's trying to distill the ideas I come up with into the stories I write. Writing has always been my passion. And I've written several books. You can find me on Amazon.com. Just look up Mark Jefferson, Overseer. Select the book, then click on my name in the author section. You can view all my published books on that page. If you like this story, try reading some of my novels. I think you'll enjoy them. I've written many short stories that take place in this and other settings. And I may feature some of them in upcoming podcasts. Several of these short stories are in my published books as prologues or epilogues, while others are unpublished. Either way, I hope you'll enjoy them all. Some stories I've written use different and novel magic systems. In the Overseer universe, magic permeates everything and all people use it. In other stories, magic is science-based and only those trained can use it. One story I'm working on has magic in the water and users store its power in silver and gold rings. The world is a mountain that floats on a sea of clouds and metal is rare. It's just a sample of what's coming. Thanks for listening to this bonus episode of the Slackerverse Tales. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please, subscribe and tell your friends about it. This is your host, Mark Jefferson, signing off. Cheers, everyone. Slackerverse.